Hi, it's Jeremiah Demre, and welcome to another edition of the Advisorist Podcast. I'm here today with my friend, Dean Murinick, international motivational speaker. What I love about Dean is he's not only a financial advisor with decades of experience, but he's used a powerful life lesson to empower so many people with his message of positivity and motivation. Now, if you've been in South Africa for a while, you've definitely heard of this guy, uh, he's been on many platforms over there, Cape Talk Radio, Radio 2000, ETV News, Mary Claire Magazine, and many, many more. He's also spoken in front of industry leaders like Integrate IT, Investec, and Liberty Life. He also has come over and spoken over the pond here in the United States and has spoken to Fortune 150 companies, namely UBS, Aflac, and many audiences in Australia. Dean, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you so much, Jeremiah. It's an absolute honor and pleasure to be on the show. We love to start off our podcast with the same question with all our guests, Dean, and that is, what are you most grateful for today? I'm so grateful that I'm here, that I'm alive, that I've been given an opportunity, a journey to be able to carry on with. And when I wake up each day to know that I've got an opportunity to carry on with my life, to go out to make a positive difference, be it in my everyday life and be it in our industry and to try and put smiles on people's faces and just make that difference. That is a powerful reason to be grateful. Thank you. So, you know, Dean, you're traveling, you're, you've got a practice as well as you're on stage motivating hundreds and thousands of people. You know, it takes a certain level of mind and body hacking in order to be able to do that. You know, one of our core values here at Advisors is strong mind, strong body. So what's a mind or body hack that you're using these days to be your best you? You know, to be your best you for me is, is to be authentic, to be able to speak from your heart, to be also to be able to show vulnerability. I believe that vulnerability shows strength and not weakness. If you are saying to somebody that I've had a bad day because of, of this in my life, or actually, you know what? I am so happy because of this. It doesn't make you a good or bad life assurance consultant. It makes you a real person. And to be able to be real with somebody for me, it makes such a huge difference. I love that. And you know, you're absolutely right. I've noticed that the more vulnerable you are, the more people tend to love you because they see you as a real person. So I love that. So vulnerability, got that one. Okay. You know, one thing I'm really curious about, and I know our listeners are, Dean, is you're a financial advisor in another country across the pond that speaks English. And in my travels around the world, I've had the privilege of sitting down with advisors from Australia and Japan and Canada and Europe. And I'd just love to hear from your perspective, what is working right now in South Africa for financial advisors to get appointments? From, a, from an insurance perspective? Yes. All right. Well, you know, in South Africa, I think just like anywhere in the world, we've got our own tests at the moment. Um, there have been a lot of political changes. We've got a huge election that's coming up in May. There's a lot of uncertainty in South Africa as well as the rest of the world. 
But what is an absolute certainty is that you make the destiny of your own future. Only you can determine what is going to happen at the end of the day. So it's so easy to be in limbo and worry about things that are out of your control. But if you can wake up with a positive mindset, excited about making a difference, meeting new people, going out there, trying to change their lives in a tangible way. You know, just like anywhere in the world, we in South Africa are faced with many tests. Um, we've got a big election that's coming up in May. Um, you know, the economy is not in a great way. Our currency is depreciated. You know, also with foreign investment at the moment, people are worried. People have been pulling money out of South Africa. But what it's done for us as people, I believe, is that uncertainty has also built up resilience. There's so many things in our lives that we have not got in our control. And we have to accept that it's up to us as individuals to make that difference, to go out there, to smile every day, to make that tangible difference in people's lives. And I think to be able to wake up every morning with a smile, knowing that it's only you that can make that change, makes the assurance industry in South Africa a good place to be. What's interesting is when I was in South Africa, uh, not too long ago, actually, I was blown away with the number of ads. Now you call it assurance. We call it insurance here. So I'll use your language assurance, but there was so much marketing for assurance, whether it was uh, property and casualty assurance for home and car coverage, there was uh, life assurance. What do you attribute that to the rise in the awareness of assurance in your country right now? I think that South Africans in general, you know, our country is so diverse. It's made up of so many different people from all different walks of life. And I think that everybody is trying to add something different, something that's a little bit more unique. You know, when it comes to different features in the insurance or assurance market, it's even though South Africa is a small, is a country that sits basically on the southern tip of the world, there's so much that's been added to the assurance industry from this country. And I think it also comes down to the resilience of the people. So this is the second time you mentioned resilience. So how does resilience translate into new clients? Can you maybe give me a walkthrough of um, the last couple of client experiences you've had as, a, as an advisor, as an assurance agent? How did that resilience transfer into attracting new business? Sure. Just to mention that, you know, I am so grateful to be here because I, I nearly passed away in the tsunami in 2004 in Thailand. I nearly lost my life. And it just made me realize that it didn't matter who you were. When we were fighting for our lives, you could have been the CEO of a company or you could have been the street sweeper. 
We were all there to keep each other alive. There was no time or space for egos. We were all on that same level. And what it's done for me is it's made me realize that that fear of rejection, being afraid of who somebody is, only stands in your way of true success and happiness. So therefore, in my life, I've chosen not to be afraid and to pick up the phone, no matter who that person is, to try and get that meeting, knowing that I'm going there to try and make a positive difference, to look after families. At the end of the day, even though I survived the actual tsunami, I believe the tsunami is just a metaphor for how we all have to tread water in our own everyday lives. So for me, being aware before I start my day, get into my car and go and see my first clients, is that everybody has a story. Behind everybody's eyes, somebody carries a story. And it's so important to remember that when you get into your car, so you've got that extra bit of energy within you to go out there and see more clients. That's amazing. Do you include that as part of your opening lines or questions that you ask? Like if you go into a meeting and you believe that somebody has a story, how does that change? How did, what did that do for you? Because before your experience with the tsunami, which we'll come back to in a second, because it's probably one of the most powerful stories on the podcast so far. But um, how, what was the difference between you before that event and now in terms of what you say in the first five to 10 minutes sitting down with a prospect? Like if I was your prospect, Dean, what would be something you would say to me that brings that concept of knowing I've got a story behind me to life? I think to open up with somebody about leveling the playing fields. For me, no matter who we are, we're all on that same level. Okay. I think that's always a great way to open up a meeting. I think I think another way for me is always to So let me let me come back come back to that. So you actually tell the person, you know what, you and I we're on the same playing field. Is that what you mean? Like that's what you say to them? Absolutely. And one of the things I do as well is hmm. I always say to a client, you know, if you have to take me through your industry, you have to take me from grade one level. Okay. I need you to explain to me everything that you do so that I can understand what you do and what you're looking for out there in your everyday life. Then then as an insurance or an assurance consultant, I need to speak in layman's terms so that everybody can understand me, not to speak over everybody, but to bring us basically to that same place where we're all on that equal footing. For me, that's extremely important. I would say that that is the way I open up my interview. I love that. In fact, I don't think I've ever heard an advisor open up a, a conversation with we're on the same level. And I, I would just imagine that if I was a prospect of yours, that that would be very reassuring because, you know, opening up the kimono, as it were, and talking about your personal finances with a complete stranger is probably very intimidating. Yeah. And you, I think there's this probable, 
you know, there's this probable conversation going on in, in your head as a prospect saying, this person's going to judge me. They're going to, they're going to find the amount of money I have to be ridiculous. I'm not wealthy. I'm trying to, you know, make a living here. I feel insecure and I feel uncomfortable and I feel vulnerable. And I think that those are some deep questions that go on in the minds of prospects, right? Right. Absolutely love it. Sure. Thank you for sharing your opener with us. Now, obviously, your encounter with the tsunami was probably one of the most impactful things in your life. And one of the things we ask all of our guests, because we probably learn more from our mistakes than we do our successes, Dean. So tell us about this number one struggle or event that you've had in your life sure. and what impact it's had on you since then. Sure. I was born in Cape Town, which is the most beautiful city the southern tip of South Africa, beautiful beaches, Table Mountain. And I was born into such a warm, loving family. My mom, Pam, my dad, Ralph, my sister, Lauren, who always watched my back. You know, my dad is always, my dad has always been this father figure to so many people in our city, as well as to my friends. When things happened, it only happened to other people, not to our family. In my own world, we were this perfect family. I also, my, my whole life, I had played a lot of competitive sport, and I'm also a singer. Um, sounds quite strange, the singing soccer player. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, at the tender age of 21, I joined my father, Ralph, in the life assurance industry. And I tell you, to work with my dad was the most amazing thing in the world. He always had my back. You know, to know that, that my father was always there for me made the first seven years of my Liberty Life existence, that's the company that I worked for, the place to be. It didn't matter if it was New, Zealand, um, New York trips or Thailand trips. It was so easy to attain. There were times that I worked extremely hard to show myself that I had the ability to be in our industry. But the knowledge of always having my father to fall back on made the, the first seven years of my Liberty Life existence the place to be. And then, Jeremiah, in 2002, I felt like my world had turned upside down. My dad was diagnosed with depression, and it took a while for us to learn that depression is a life-threatening, debilitating illness, just like any other. It is harder to see and to understand. And my life for the next two years was a combination of chaos and madness. There were numerous suicide attempts where my dad tried to take his own life. From finding him in the casino to the ICU unit. Man, just when I was inundated with all this turmoil, I had become victim and rescuer. I thought to myself, how am I going to be able to carry on in our industry? This man who was such a legend in the industry who carried the world, including his son, on his shoulders. It didn't matter what my achievements were in the past. I always had my father. And I thought, how was I going to be able to carry on? And my best friend, 
turned around and said to me, a guy by the name of Morris Isaacson, you can never run away from a problem, but you can get away from a bad environment. My friend said to me, Morris Isaacson, you can never run away from a problem, but you can get away from a bad environment. Dean, go live in Johannesburg. Start your own office. Have your own independence. Your mom and dad are still married. For you to wake up every morning to see if your father is dead or alive is not a normal existence. Be known as Dean Muranek, the life assurance consultant, and not just Ralph Muranek's son. Gave me such a feeling of pride and inner peace. And it was early April 2004, I got into my car, I packed my belongings, and I headed north to Johannesburg. It was so scary, the thought of starting on my own, the guilt that I carried for leaving my father. But when I arrived in Johannesburg and I started making things happen, I realized, wow, I cannot believe it's me who's making a difference, that people are asking me for advice. Even though I spoke to my dad on a daily basis, it was November 2004 that I phoned my father about a great deal that I had just signed. And all I heard on the other side was this voice of a frantic policeman saying, we have a serious problem here. We have just found this man in his car, and it looks like an overdose. I flew down to Cape Town, not knowing if my dad was dead or alive. And on arrival, back at that same clinic, there was my father, lying in a deep coma. This time it was really touch and go. Miraculously, two weeks later, my father woke up neurologically well. My mind was spinning, and the question remained, how could I get my family out of this hell? I thought about it for a moment, and the answer was Phuket, a place we had spent so many peaceful, happy holidays together. So against doctor's orders, I managed to persuade my mom and dad to come with me to Thailand. I had to break away from my painful reality. I just needed to borrow 10 days or two weeks with my father, just in case he would get it right and take his own life. So it was Friday, December 24. There were my parents and I, my friends, Morris, his girlfriend, Dolores, David and Rail, heading to Phuket, Thailand. We arrived on December the 25th, ready for the start of what we thought would be a fantastic holiday. It was the morning of the 26th of December, Boxing Day, and I was sleeping in my hotel on the fourth floor. And suddenly I was woken by an earth tremor. I thought, was it the start of an earthquake? I got dressed and I made my way down to the breakfast terrace which was down on the ground floor next to the swimming pool, 
approximately 50 meters from the beach. Down at breakfast were my mom and dad and David and Rail. Morris and Dolores did not join us for breakfast. They went next door to the local convenience store and would meet us on the beach later. Jeremiah, at about 9.50 a.m., I heard bang, bang, bang. At first, I thought it was a terrorist attack. I couldn't identify the noise. It was so foreign to me. I looked at my friend David, and he shouted, get up and run, get up and run. As the noise got louder, I looked back. And I saw this mass of water coming at me at an incredible speed. It was carrying boats, cars, jet skis, and bodies. It was huge. And it was loud. And I was absolutely terrified. For a split second, I froze in disbelief of what I was seeing. But the speed of the water coming towards me made me realize if I didn't act now or if I didn't act quickly, that this was a tsunami and I was going to die. I looked back to find both my mom and dad lying on the floor. In their haste to get away from this mass of water, they fell onto each other. I grabbed onto both of them and my fear was generating such strength that they felt like toddlers in my arms. As we were being pushed from pillar to post with both my parents' heads bobbing up and down, I shouted, come on, come on. We can survive this together. Four by fours, windows, and everything you can imagine was missing us narrowly. I wasn't afraid to die, but I couldn't allow my parents to die in front of me. Men were shouting, women were screaming, and children were crying. I looked to my dad, who was desperately trying to stay afloat. Fighting for his life. How ironic for a man who on numerous occasions tried to take his own life was fighting so hard to stay alive. He had a choice. Every few seconds when I came to gasp up for air, everything seemed so surreal. I could not describe the absolute chaos and devastation. After what seemed to be an eternity of holding up my parents, I realized that I did not have the strength to hold on to them anymore. At this stage, we were washed back approximately 200 meters through the hotel, through the lobby, into the conference room. Water was everywhere. We were surrounded. There was nowhere to go and there was no space to breathe. 
I was suddenly overcome with fear and exhaustion. Realizing that I might very well die. I thought to myself, is this fair? After everything that I had been through, the water continued to rise. And our heads were now inches from touching the ceiling. I realized now that I had to fight for my own life. I looked at my mom and dad and I said, Mommy and Daddy, I love you so much. But I haven't got the strength to hold on to you anymore. I let go of my parents and we said our goodbyes. Jeremiah, there's so much more to the story, but I'll be happy to talk about it another time. Dean, you just lived being vulnerable. And thank you so much. I know that it wasn't easy to share that story. And this is the second time I've heard it. And it's still, you've got me choked up, brother. Thank you for being able to share that. And what you've been able to do with that story is to turn it into a vehicle of empowerment. And I'm curious, I don't know if you have a book in the works already. You should. But if not, if your life was a book up to this point, Dean, what would the title be? There's two titles that stick out for me and that one is leveling the playing fields that we all on an equal footing. And my other one would be life tsunamis. Mm, I like that one. You know, I may have survived the actual tsunami in 2004 where so many people lost their lives. And I'm so grateful that I was given the opportunity to carry on with my life journey. But what is so important for me is to be aware that the tsunami is just a metaphor for how everyone has to tread water in their own everyday lives. My experience was extreme. But our own experiences take us to a level that is too much to deal with. And the important thing for me is for each and every one of us is to emerge from these traumatic, traumatic tests as survivors and not as beaten individuals. In other words, these experiences should make us and not break us and make us better people. One of the models that we live by at Advisorist is Kenai, constant and never-ending improvement. And part of that is looking at the struggles and the moments that we were treading water or we got broken and getting right back up and going back at it, surrounded by people that you love. I absolutely love your mission and the vision, which is why I wanted to have you on this podcasting, because I know your message is resonating with somebody right now who's listening and I'm just so grateful for you, my friend. You're doing a phenomenal work. You know, uh, switching gears a little bit here, I asked you about if your life was a book. I'm curious, you're probably a guy who, as a singer, has a favorite song. So if your life had a theme song, Dean, what would that song be? Two productions that I've, I've played, Joseph and Joseph and his Technicolor Dreamcoat, and I've played Tevye and Fiddle on the Roof. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm thinking maybe which one of those songs I really enjoy. Yeah, if you could pick one, which one do you enjoy singing the most? Or a song from one of those productions? 
I, I really enjoy If I Were a Rich Man. Ah, beautiful song. Yep. It's a great song. And 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 for me, and for me, rich doesn't just mean money. It doesn't just mean material. It means about being rich within yourself. For me, it's about how can you remind people of their value on a daily basis? So from your perspective, we are all rich. It's a matter of reminding each other that we are rich. Did I get that right? Absolutely. As an insurance advisor, I would just like to, to give a little example for me. I mean, it's New Year's Eve, and we're all sitting there with our champagne, and we're toasting, and we're all saying, this is going to be our year. Even if we are not saying it verbally, we think it. And we say, you know what, this is going to be great. I'm going to be the best in my field in life insurance. I am going to, whatever my issues are in my family, I'm going to make sure that my family are great this year. My health's going to be great. And you go into the new year with so much excitement and enthusiasm. But what is normal for every single one of us is that we get hit by life curveballs. And when that happens, our shoulders tend to drop and our own perception of our value tends to go. Therefore, for me, such an important message is to always remind people on a daily basis where their strengths are, what they're good at doing, so that they are able to carry on with purpose and with a smile on their face. By telling people what they are good at, one doesn't understand how it adds such a spring to their step and makes them carry on with their everyday lives. And for me, being happy brings about great productivity in whatever you do. There's so much neuroscience research that was done or that is actively being done around the science of happiness and how it impacts your life and and gratitude as well. And uh, you're absolutely right on that. That's something that I, I geek out on that. I research that all the time. I'm actually going through a program right now, uh, personally, my wife and I, to uh, tap into greater areas of genius in the brain. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with how you set up your environment. And so to know that you have that as your mission to help other people see their value, to see why they're special, how they have a unique gift is just so powerful. We need more people in the world like you, my friend, Dean. Dean, this has been an incredible conversation. I have one final question. It's more on the business side of things. Uh, And it's something we love to ask all of our podcast guests. And that is, if you lost everything and you had no more contacts, nothing more than your assurance license, a laptop and $500, you had a phone too, what would you focus on in the next 30 days to reboot your business? I honestly feel that $500 would make a lot of calls. And if I could get on that phone and speak to people, just that I'm able to go and sit in front of them, to have that opportunity to fill my diary. So here I am. I'm still alive. I've been given this chance to, to get out there and see people. I would fill up my month and that would get my business going again. Outstanding. Dean, if our audience wants to connect with you, learn more about you or hire you for an upcoming event, 
where can they go? One can contact me on my email is deanm at oraclebrokers.com. As well as please, you can get me on LinkedIn. Outstanding. Dean, thank you so much for being part of the podcast. Keep up your amazing work, my brother, and we'll see you out there. Thank you so much. It's such an honor for me to, to be on this podcast. Thank you so much for allowing me to share my story. If you'd like a transcript of today's interview, you can go to advisorist.com and look for the episode with Dean Murinick, M-U-R-I-N-I-K, and you'll be able to get the show notes and the transcript right in there. Thanks so much for listening to Advisorist, the most loved podcast in the insurance and financial services world. Until next time.